I've been fond of accusing others of being part of the rampant consumerist culture in the U.S., but after 26 years of living in the same house and accumulating, I came to the realization when I started to pack up that I'm part of that culture, too. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. And welcome to our podcast number 006, the first we are recording in our new home. That's right. We've moved. We had our big move on Monday. We rented a U-Haul truck. We loaded up all of the things that we decided we had needed. Oh, minus a couple of things that we've already realized we left in Birmingham. And rolled down the road between Birmingham on our way to Longleaf Breeze. Unloaded everything and got the truck turned in just a little after schedule, but U-Haul was kind enough to work with us. So that all went fairly smoothly. That's right. I did have the scary moment of realizing that the the, uh, items that I had volunteered to put into the Corolla would not all fit. I actually had everything in there about as tightly as as it would be in a sardine can and had to leave a couple of pillows and rugs and towels back uh, in Birmingham because it simply would not fit. I had put as much as I could into that poor little car trunk space. I mean, it was actually falling over on me on the driver's side. I had to mash down things in the back so I could see out the back window to drive. It's kind of sad. But you made it. I made it, yes. And I made it. And we finished up and we got everything moved down. And we're living out of uh, boxes and bins right now. But um, a little bit at a time, we're unpacking and placing things and organizing things. And I guess you and I have spent an unusual amount of time talking about what the concept of home means to us. Right. I've had a hard time adjusting my vocabulary because I'd say, well, that's back at home, meaning it's back at our house in Birmingham. I left that at home. But then I realized, as of now, this is my home here at the farm. In fact, we've actually already told the U.S. Postal Service that this is our home. So, um, But it's just hard to make that transition after being in the same place for 26 years. And raising your children there. Right. That makes it hard. And I figured out the other day we've buried four dogs at that home. Oh. That's, um, you know, each one a milestone. Yes. Each one painful, um, but lots of tender, tender memories. Right. And we had an opportunity to celebrate those tender memories on Sunday night. You really made it celebratory. I have to hand it to you. Thank you. Nice little surprise. I I will claim credit for that. Our Sunday evening ritual is to take advantage of the Sunday special at Roly-Poly. We love (laughs) Roly-Poly. Where they give you a sandwich and a bag of chips for $5. And we have done that every Sunday evening we've been in Birmingham for, gosh, three or four years anyway, maybe longer than that. So this Sunday, knowing as I did that we would be packing up and leaving the following morning for our new home, 
I spent a whole lot more than I should have on a nice bottle of champagne. So we had sandwiches from Roly-Poly toasted with really nice domestic champagne. Oh, it was so good. I have to uh, thank Scott for that recommendation that he Scott made to you. Scott at Western. He is the wine dealer at Western and has steered us in many right directions when it comes to wine choices, But he and he gave us a good choice, a good steer on this one as well. Yet another aspect of Birmingham that I will miss is the fantastic selection of wines at Western. But we talked about all of the memories that we have in that place, that place being our home in the suburbs that we are leaving behind as we come to Longleaf Breeze. And I think as a result of that conversation, or maybe despite that conversation, both of us were a little melancholy during the day Monday as we did the final packing and dismantling of things to load them up in the truck and so forth. It was sort of a tender day. Not, it really was. Uh, yeah. I, we obviously both had a lot of work to do, and we never were able to stop and say, well, let's just have a good cry. But I think we were both tender during most of that day. That's right. And one of our good friends, Beverly, came by to see us, um, and it, she realized it was a big moment, that it, it was um, the end of our calling that home. Our, uh, even though we do still own the home and we have a lot more packing and <laughs> a lot, but, you know, putting the house on the market and all, we have that ahead of us. But the idea that we are not seeing that as our home, that's just, that was a, a tender moment, as you said. And it was tough, but we got on our way and what we finally got here about eight or something that night. It was late and Ooh, or got later. everything unloaded. Yes. I think was, I may have gotten here about eight and, and I was you later were than... probably later than that. But it was after midnight by yeah. the time we actually got to sleep that night because mm-hmm. we tried to put the bed together. <laughs> this yes, it, one of the things that happens when you dismantle furniture and you reassemble it in your late fifties. I'm fifty six now. Is I was a little nervous about sleeping overnight without putting that bed back together. He was afraid he'd forget <laughs> how to do that, how how it would go back together. It's so an LL I, it beam. was important to me to go ahead and unload the truck. And put the bed together Monday night. And we actually slept in the bed Monday night. After I had and you had helped me, we unloaded all of the um, materials that we had stored in the truck, save, I think, the washing machine. Right. Which we that was... decided to wait and unload the next morning. Which turned out to be a good decision because we awoke on Tuesday morning to an unexpected shower. Right. And had we waited to unload the truck until Tuesday morning, we would have been unloading in the rain. So we were grateful we yes, had gone ahead we and were. gotten that done. And now we just have ahead of us the task of finishing out, cleaning out the cabinets and putting the shelving in the proper places. And then um, having you decide how we place the dishes in those. <laughs> now that is not fair. Well, you told me that you have a better, <laughs> you want to have air in the cabinets. You don't want everything crammed in there and crowded the way we've been living for the past 26 years. So. I will admit to that. We have spent the last two or three decades of our lives with you making all of those decisions and my quietly or not so quietly wishing it were otherwise. I have said repeatedly, 
if we would have fewer things than, and, and more air, then we would be able to enjoy what we have. And I guess this time I have been unusually insistent about this idea of air in the cabinets. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll, we'll keep you posted about that one, how well that works out. <laughs> so I'm, I'm suggesting, for example, that instead of having a dozen table knives, we have four. In and I don't think that's enough. Drawer and have the other eight in a bin somewhere that we can get to them easily. And I have said, and this you're you're hearing the replay of our continuing dialogue. I, I think I would like for you to agree with me that we have had this dialogue in love. Yes, we have. Um, but what I have said is, if we have four table knives and we find ourselves going to the bin on a regular basis, then let's move another three or four into the drawer. But let's not start with so many we can't get to the ones we need. So that's the that's the continuing conversation. Right, right. But uh, we actually did do a little bit of outdoor work. Uh, some of it was Saturday before we made the move. We um, went down and we uh, continued working on the deer fence line. Um, and so uh, part of what we wanted to do is clear out some of the little sticks. I call them sticks. They're pine, small pine, street, pine trees that were... Um, Apparently planted by the loggers. I would assume or, somebody planted them, yeah. Yes, and they're so close together as to be unhealthy. Um, you've probably seen logged areas where plant, uh, pines have been replanted and um, they're not spaced appropriately. So um, even just to keep that healthy, we needed to thin them out. But we also... Uh, and of course, we needed to thin out for the for the sake of the deer fence. But also, we have a great view from that little knoll up there. So and we're planning to spend a lot of time on Veg Hill because that's our main cultivation area. And we decided, you know, we could look out over that valley and enjoy seeing those woods down there if it were not for all these little bitty pine trees right. blocking it. So we thinned it out, and it really is beautiful. It opened it up, and, and we have another little stand that we need to do later on also to, for, for the same dual purpose of clearing for the deer fence as well as um, clearing out the view. And we decided that the time to do it is before we put the fence up because the, place, the, the safest place to do the burning um, so that we're not interfering with healthy trees that we don't want to, to set on fire is up there on the part of Veg Hill where we don't have anything planted yet. So this is just the time to do it, I think, before we put that fence up. Chainsaw was very busy on Saturday. We cut down a lot of trees. And one of the things that I've come to the conclusion about on that chainsaw is it just makes no sense at all to cut with a dull chain. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to do something on the blog about this, but a sharp chain is the greenest thing I can think of you can do. With, if you've got to use a chainsaw, by all means, use a, the sharpest of chains because you'll use so much less fuel and get through the job faster and safer. Right. It's safer to cut with a sharp chain because one of the things I've learned is when I cut with a dull chain, I wear myself out and I lose my edge. And that's not a good thing. That's right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's We want to stay safe while we're doing the chainsaw, uh, you know, the cutting as well as the burning. Yeah. Um, so we... And I also, just a, a 
parenthetical, you and I have not discussed this, but I put a sharp chain on. I get my chain sharpened professionally, and it's the smartest decision I ever made. But I put a sharp chain on, and I know when it happened. I cut into a pine tree, and I hit a couple of rocks that were close to the pine Ooh. tree, saw the sparks, and from that point on, that chain was no longer sharp. I couldn't cut mm. with it. So I, after putting on a sharp chain, within about 30 minutes, I had to go and change the chain again. Oh, but no. I was ever, ever so careful once I did that, and the, that chain lasted all day. And so we'll scout out for really rocks long. before we... We will Start. do a much better job of being careful about cutting around with the chainsaw around rocks and dirt, for that matter. You need to keep mm. the chain out of the dirt. Well, good. Well, that's um, that's important. You know, we're also planning to, we've actually already cleared it out there, but planning to plant some grass out behind the house, some better grass, some grass that will actually take hold so that we can put a clothesline out there. Um, and we aren't want, you excited about the I'm so line? excited. We do have the electric dryer. We moved that to the, the farm, but we want to use it sparingly. So in an effort to provide an alternative means of drying clothing and linens, um, we have purchased a clothesline. Well, the, the little clothesline that I've purchased is designed for us to have available to use undercover in the event we oh, need to use, okay. a, have, okay. use a clothesline in the rain. What you and I will do out here um, to the west of the pole barn is set up a clothesline with four by fours that we sink in concrete and we'll string right. lines back and forth right. and so forth. Um, now, the, what's interesting about that conversation is you and I had picked a spot for the clothesline between the barn and the house site, a little mm -hmm. bit up the hill from the pole barn. And um, we've abandoned that idea because we learned the clothesline really needs to run north and south. Hmm. The reason it needs to run north and south, of course, is that as the morning sun comes up, then it has the chance to dry one side, and, as the a and then it says, as it sets in the afternoon, it has a chance to dry the other. If you run the clothesline north and south, then the same side of the clothes gets the full sun all day long. Right. So that does make a lot more sense. But again, as we get that set up, we will report on that in the future. That I is hope a future we will. endeavor. And I hope that you can enjoy doing it. I've realized that that's one of those conveniences that is, of course, using a, an electric clothes dryer. It's one of those conveniences that we 21st century Americans have learned to take for granted, and it's going to be a little painful letting that go. Right, right. Um, at least only using it sparingly <laughs> when we have to. Um, we also had a, a first today in the garden. The uh, first of the fall lettuce, well, it's very small, but um, I do have some that escaped the notice of the deer, apparently, and so I plucked a few leaves and we put it on a sandwich for you today and boy was it good you also picked some of the rocket lettuce what yes. you picked for me was red the red sails. sails red sails lettuce and some rocket and of course rocket has that unusual flavor i don't think you were quite ready for that were you when i well it was it actually you. not as um, pungent as i had feared it would be i enjoyed it it was a good sandwich so um, so we're hoping that that lettuce will continue to grow and provide lots more of our for our uh, nutrition later on uh, we have another 
interesting thing going on in the garden. Oh, we have a pumpkin going. The pumpkin has swelled up all of a sudden here. It's and yellow. Getting uh, high and proud. Yes. It's a nice-looking pumpkin. It's a Cinderella pumpkin. And it's supposed to be red, but right now it's yellow, so we don't know what the future brings for so it. So maybe it becomes red later. Right. Obviously, we were way late in planting it because presumably you would normally expect it to be ready by Halloween or so. And, and the other thing is I've been told I should have fertilized it when I planted it. And well, I did you not, bad, bad person. You. I know. I didn't fertilize. So we have that pumpkin and another really tiny one growing on the end of the plant, but we'll see what comes of it uh, but we do have a, a frost warning coming up, so we may need to be harvesting our sweet potatoes tomorrow. We think tomorrow morning we're probably going to be digging for sweet potatoes. Right. So it's it, there's a nip in the air here at Longleaf Breeze. And, and there's a little story about those sweet potatoes. They have had unusual amounts of deer damage. The deer just love sweet potato leaves. Right. And uh, they have had their way, the deer have had their way with sweet potato leaves, making them basically a bunch of naked stalks. And the, bless their hearts, the leaves are coming back. Right. And we've we had some new growth. That the potatoes underneath the ground are still edible. Right. We will find out, I guess, tomorrow when right. we start digging them up. But I, w I will say that the, the few that we've already harvested, what was that, maybe a couple of uh, a month ago or so, maybe more than that, six weeks ago, we let them cure, and they are delicious sweet potatoes. They're wonderful. They just taste so good. So And they, and they grew from some plants that we put out. So if they have brothers and sisters that are still good down there, welcome to the family. That's right. That's right. Um, you might want to mention something about the lightning protection that we're having put in the pole barn. Yeah, that's um, I, I, not an unexpected expense. We knew all along we were going to have to do this. We just hadn't gotten around to making the, the firm arrangements. But now we have made the firm arrangements. Here's the the basic problem. Our pole barn is um, has a lot of metal and a lot of wood, and we are perched up on the top of a hill. It's a great place to have your pole barn, and the house will be a little bit higher still. But we are a high location with a lot of metal, mm -hmm. and as a result, we are vulnerable to lightning strikes. So we've known all along that we were going to need to do something pretty decisive about protecting the building and our new home against lightning damage. So now we have the um, design put together and uh, Scott McGill and Joey, his friend, are going to be installing that um, lightning rod system. We'll have a series of lightning rods right up on the peak of the roof line that are connected by means of heavy copper cable to some ground plates on either side of the barn. And this system will also include surge protection for our main circuit panel as well as for the satellite dish. So. We're hopeful that we will be well protected. That's right. When you live in south-central Alabama, you just know that there's going to be bad weather. You know there's going to be lightning. You do what you can to safeguard yourself. And so, you better be ready. Yeah, and you better be ready. Well, just really quickly before we go, we might mention something uh, fun that we did last Saturday morning. We went it to was e fun, Eclectic wasn't it? Trading Days. Eclectic being a neighboring town 
yeah. maybe about 15 miles down the road from us, uh, maybe even less than that, more like 12 perhaps. Um, and so um, I know you did an interview with um, Mr. Hornsby, who's the uh, Aubrey Hornsby. Is that Aubrey right? Hornsby mm-hmm. is the, I would call him a visionary. Mm-hmm. who has uh, done a great deal of work organizing the merchants in the little town of Eclectic and trying to create uh, uh, and live out their vision of converting Eclectic to a festival city. The Eclectic Trading Days is the beginning of that effort, and it was fun. We had a good time. Right. Um, I would say a heavy emphasis on arts and crafts kind of things. Um, we did not find a, a, a lot of farm produce for sale. Uh, there was one person who was selling produce there, but it seemed to be primarily purchased at wholesale. Right, right. So, But we enjoyed it, and I know we'll have something on our blog post about that, right? We will. We'll have a little video from the Eclectic Trading Days and uh, a little bit of conversation about how it went and so forth. So we'll share that with you. And we will be able to tell you next week all about our sweet potato harvest and uh, probably be able to talk about how the lightning rod protection went. Because I expect it will be installed within a week or so. Well, that's good. So I guess we better go for now. We look forward to talking to you again next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682, send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com, or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.